Hello, everyone, and welcome down to episode number Checks Notes 95 of the Down South Photo Show. With me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia. And the guy on the other screen or in your other ear, if you are listening to the podcast, hello to all the people who just listen to the podcast. It's Cam Blake in Tasmania, Australia. Hello, Cameron. Hello, Brendan. Uh, yeah, people, thanks for people listening. Do they, do they know what they're missing out on, though? Like the visual, yeah. the visuals that we have on here. I think, like... I think the feedback I've got is people who listen and then if something piques their interest in terms of what they might want, if they might want to see it, then they, they flick on. over to the YouTube channel and check it out later. Right. Okay. So That's okay, though. That works. No, we, we don't mind. However, now, what, whatever gets you through the night. Exactly right. Whatever gets you through the night. Who's that? A George Harrison something? That'd be uh, John Lennon. John Lennon. Ah, uh, was one of the Beatles. Hey, you um, were close. Gee, you must be a happy chappy today. Uh, I'm always a happy chappy, but why would I in particular uh, be happy chappy today? It's got something something to do with Melbourne. Something to do with Mel- Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> not Melbourne, the football club, because we're not mentioning the footy. But uh, oh, um, you've got uh, you, you, your dictator Dan has uh, so, so so called dictator Dan. Uh, yeah, for, let's for not those talk, for the, let's not for, talk politics. All right, okay, it's not a happy day. It's a happy day for some Victorians. It's a sad day for others. Um, <laughs> let's and, not talk politics and divide our audience. Is what I meant. <laughs> uh, and let's not talk football because that's not good either. No, we no, should, right? Maybe, maybe we should talk about photography, or maybe we should talk about how many subscribers we have on our YouTube's. Sure. Hello to all our subscribers. Um, with the, the milestones keep ticking over. 640 subscribers now. Right. Uh, if you are a subscriber to the channel, thank you. If you are not a subscriber to the channel, why to not? The channel, it's pretty easy. Just hit that little subscribe subscribe button down there. Struggling to speak tonight. <laughs> maybe maybe I've subscribe. got Aurora fever, Cameron. Maybe maybe just don't forget to hit that subscription button button mm. um maybe you are you, you've, you've just rushed in from an aurora shoot haven't you well let's let's kick well, off with the background so um yeah, i got a uh we were this is tuesday night this is the 26th of september we're recording this i know this is yep. not going out for another few days but um yes. there was quite the aurora event to, event tonight the problem was of course your I, your your forehead, <laughs> pretty much it was it was as bright as my forehead the, yes, uh, the moon the moon sort of um mm. stop things but uh my background which is right there and i will make it full screen because it's a bit tricky to see um is yeah so you can see there's a little bit of oh, would you call those beams cameron i don't know uh, uh yeah they are there's a yeah. bit of beam beamage happening it looks like where that little purple yeah haze is uh that's, yeah. that's some of the beams happening yeah. so yeah so we're talking about just there i'll just put myself yeah. back so that that area across there is uh bit of purple beamage going on. Mm. Um, so that was cool. I um, managed to scoot down to the beach because my learned friend on the other screen here said, hey, there's a big aurora going on. You should get to a beach. So I did. Yeah. So and this this was literally half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That talk about uh, processing, editing and displaying. That's uh, that's pretty quick turnaround. Slam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. It's uh, up and, and done. I, just, uh, yeah, I... I mean, it was a bit disappointing because it looks powerful, but the full moon mm. just went nah. Well, nah. I think it's a three-quarter moon at the moment, isn't it? It's bright. It's it's washed everything very, out. I, very bright. I, as we're speaking, I've just got a message from our one of the show's greatest friends, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Uh, uh, he's written here. It's pretty washed out, and I'm not impressed. Right. <laughs> so he I've actually so, just noticed. Home. Forget the aurora bit. Look at the nice movement on the water here. 
That's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, there you go. That might have been worth the price of admission alone. Maybe uh, we, should, and, we, should, we should do an episode on Auroras once, one day. Yeah, we've only done a couple of them. Um, I love Ocean Grove, the beach steps that you get. They make fantastic foregrounds. Mm. So um, I was really happy to to get that. So that was cool. Very um, cool. Cameron, you've been traveling all over the countryside like the Leyland Brothers. Um, Great show. Your background, please. Uh, my background, yes. Uh, so I've just come back from the wonderful, mighty Flinders Ranges up in northern South Australia. Uh, we did five days up there. Uh, we had some beautiful weather, a couple of hot days to start with. My God, flies. Holy shit. There was flies everywhere. We had to go buy fly nets for our heads because we just couldn't, you couldn't function. It's um out of control. But this is a, a shot from a, it's a pretty famous part of the range. This is called the Razorback View or Razorback Lookout. And this goes through the uh, Bunaroo, Bunaroo Gorge, I think you pronounce it. Um, and then it pops into the Bratchina Gorge. So these roads all link up through the gorges, but you get a beautiful view over the pound, Wilpena Pound. And uh, yeah, we had a really nice sort of lovely day. It was a hot day. We were in shorts and singlets and T-shirts. It was great. The flies were just starting to bugger off at that stage. Um, so that's a sunset there. So, yeah, it was good. We had a good time. Had a great bit of fun. Had a great group. Uh, awesome. We didn't lose anyone, so it's always good. Um, you, you know how much – I know how much you love questions without notice. So um, here's a question without notice for you. The, um, your background there, um, That is that a, like a lookout? platform or is it like just a, a, a hill uh, really you know when you look at it see the next see the road down the very end yes it's just got that little bit of a high bit on the left hand side of the road it's just another one of those really it just it, along the way it sort of snakes along and just pops up and then it pops down again and snakes up so you just it's just a tiny little dirt car park that has a you're just standing on one of those mounds looking down the road it's just it's just a vantage point really it, it's but, um the the light there seems to be quite awesome yeah, you get um, we just got that glow, and it was funny. We did this shot, um, and this is the first night we're there. Like we literally rocked up, checked in, settled in, and headed out, and got this straight off the bat. So that was pretty handy. Um, but as I was standing there, I like to let everyone sort of get get their groove and see how everyone shoots and where people need uh, help and fill in the gaps and stuff like that. And when we got to here, this is quite a fair time, even though it looks like it's still quite bright. It's after the sun set, and you get that afterglow. Ah. Um, yeah, so it was really quite nice. You get all these beautiful soft shadows and stuff. But I asked a question to everyone as we were starting to pack up, which was about five minutes after this, 10 minutes after this. I said to everyone, I said, so based on tonight's little session, when would you have packed your gear up and gone home? And all of them said, oh, probably 20 minutes ago. Yeah. So straight away off the bat, they're like, okay, we, we hang around 20 minutes after sunset because even though it looks sort of dark, the light is quite soft and you get that beautiful afterglow. So yeah, it's a lovely spot. Uh, we'll be going again next year. That, that concludes our uh, Flinders Rangers trips for the year. But we'll be going again in June, I think we are. So if anyone's keen to come along, um, feel free to jump on board and have a look. Uh, we're at June 24th. We're going next year. Fantastic. Hmm. So, yeah, it's no, a good spot. It, we love it. It, it. It's definitely on my bucket list. Uh, I will be out there sooner mm. rather than later, I feel. Yeah. Um, we, could we, just take to... a, we, we could just take a detour from the Murray Melly. Yeah, it's just up the way, isn't it? A little bit. We can mm. go and drive for two days. Um, yeah. The August photo comp, which has been run and won, uh, the People's Choice section is about to close as well. So mm. if you're listening to this on or if you're watching this 
on Friday night when it's gone out. Uh, it finishes on the Saturday, the 30th. So you people listening, unfortunately, the cutoff has happened for the People's Choice for August. However, we have another announcement in a second. Um, so you need to head over to the Facebook page um, and go to the pinned post on the top of our Facebook page, Down South Photo Show Facebook page, and you can vote on the People's Choice. And we had a quick look at the voting just before, and it's pretty close, Cam. There is a, about two or three that are all potential winners. So um, definitely get on there before the guys are watching this on YouTube on Friday night. Make sure you get on there before the cutoff date. Um, but yeah, it's a close, it's a close contest. That's good. Very close. And would you like to let people know what we're going to run for October? Yes. October with the month of, which is in next week. Um, so that'll be announced on the, Oh, what is that? By the time we put that out, it'll be probably like the seventh or something, won't it? It'll be about the about the sixth is when we'll announce it, which is when we're at BFOP. We might yes. even we we might even do a bit more of an announcement at BFOP. Um, but it's going to be on trees, so I want to see pictures of trees. So it can be either a beautiful old gnarly tree, or it can be a beautiful forest, or the photo just has to include trees. That's what, that's what I want. And you know, it could be shooting up into the canopy. It could be you know an aerial shot looking down above, or whatever it might be. But let's do trees. Uh, we'll give you the whole month of October to put that yep. in. And yep. then once again, what we'll do is we'll uh, pick our top five and then try and pick a winner. And then we'll put it out there in uh, November for the People's Choice um, re leading into Christmas. So, yeah, absolutely. Trees. trees. Great. We will remind people of that next week on the episode and also on the uh, Facebook page. Mm. And uh, the prize for the October comp will be a $200 gift voucher from Ocean Grove Camera and Photo. Mm. A great sponsor we've got there. It must be yes. a wonderful institution, that Ocean Grove Camera and Photo place. It must be all right. I went in there the other day, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, you, I've heard nothing but good things. Well, I must admit, I went in there and 50% and of the staff were bloody amazing. Yes. The other 50 staff, 50 of the staff was a bit sketchy. Yeah. Um, but it was okay. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're right. a good little shop. Well, it's hey, good to get um, feedback. I'll, I'll pass that on to management. Yeah, pass it on to management. Hey, we need to probably apologize for our little missed episode last week. I, we I probably, yes, we do. I probably need to apologize. I was up here in the Flinders Ranges, mm. and by the time we'd had dinner, we were having a 7.30 dinner in Adelaide time, so it's at 8 o'clock here. By yes. the time we finished that, it was like 9 o'clock, and by the time we got back to the room, it was going to be too late. So yes. I, pulled, I pulled the pin and said uh, no episode. So my apologies. I saw a yeah. few sad faces on Yes, people weren't too happy. Look, I th I think you did tell me you had a slight misadventure as well, a little flat tire or something that day as well, which pushed things back a wee bit. Yeah, here's the here's a funny story for you. Let's uh, let's do a quick ad hoc horror story, shall we? I love it. Photography yeah. horror story. <laughs> All right, so photography horror story. So one of the things I wanted to see and get the group to see while I was up there this week this week on was the Sturt Desert P. I think I mentioned that on the last show. I wanted to see that and. So anyway, as you do when you're up there, you speak to the locals, you speak to the rangers. Um, they said, oh, look, there's a spot that not many people go to, but, you know, that's a pretty definite spot for Sturt Desert Peace this time of year. It was a place called Chalmers Gorge, which is up towards Akarua. And we're like, oh, okay, it's an hour and a bit from here. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, anyway, we had uh, a little bit of bad luck with um, the aerial flights that we had in the earlier part of the week because the winds were roaring through there. So they actually cancelled some flights on us. So we actually had some spare time. So we decided that we'd drive up to this place and chase these Sturt Desert Peas, all pretty excited, pretty happy. 
And we get up to there's this beautiful gorge. Actually, we're, we're probably going to visit it again, but uh, stunning place. And we pulled in and we got out of the car and uh, it was quite funny. The whole group said, oh, where's the toilet? I need a toilet stop. So everyone went and found a tree and did everything they needed to do. And um, anyway, as I'm standing there, Dan goes, uh, you got a flat tire. I'm like, what? We had a flat tire on the last trip. He goes, yep, back back left's flat. I'm like, oh, crap. So anyway, down we got. Dan got under there, jacked it up, got the tire down, replaced it all. So we got that all fixed. We're looking around this place everywhere. Not a single Sturt Desert pea to be found. Oh, no. And, and we're like, well, that's just crap. So anyway, it was still lovely. We still got some great shots and stuff, but we didn't get what we wanted. So anyway, we drove back, and uh, the next morning we went into Hawker to get the tire puncture fixed. So we drove in there. We gave the group an hour off to go check the gallery there and have a look around and buy some souvenirs. Dan and I go to the um, tire change place, the uh, little mechanical place where we went last time and the guy's talking to us and Dan and I stand there talking to this guy. Oh yeah, we'll get the tire fixed, tire fixed. And at the corner of my eye, this little house next door was about a two meter by three meter patch of Sturt Desert Peas. <laughs> growing, <laughs> grow, growing, growing in this little tiny town next to the mechanics. I'm like, you are, you, are you shitting me? And then Dan, but Dan being all five-star Dan, he's like, but hang on a sec. He goes, if we hadn't gone out to that gorge and got a flat tire, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have come to mechanics. We wouldn't have seen the Sturt Desert piece. So he goes, it was meant to be. That's how it happened. And yep. away we went. So that was a bit of a funny story. Um, yeah. It, it was, it, um, you got what you wanted in a roundabout kind of way. We got what we wanted, nowhere near where we wanted to get, and right next to a garage. So and it, and it cost us one recording of the Down South Photo Show. It well. cost us a recording of Down South Photo Show, forty dollars to replace the puncture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny, but you know what? It was good. Like we found a new spot, so you know, good. One, there's a little lesson out of that. You know, you take the take the highs and lows. We didn't get to do a flight that we wanted to do, but we found a new part of the Flinders Ranges, which is, which is very cool, and we'll get to revisit. Yep. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like we we talk about this a lot um, with particularly if you go on photography tours or workshops, even day day workshops and things. It's landscape photography, folks. Anything yeah. can happen, and uh, you got to be prepared to roll with the punches and move totally. and be agile and flexible with your plans. So, um, you know, I know you know, we've been preparing for the Mali workshop, and we're, we're already saying amongst ourselves. You know, we're going to put these people where the light's good. Now, that yep. might not necessarily match up with the exact itinerary we've got set, yep. but so be it. Um, we would much rather have some awesome photos than uh, than mm. be on schedule, if you know what I mean. Here's a little bit of advice for people looking to book workshops. I think I mentioned this once before, is I, I think the best way to approach a workshop if you're going with someone, you know where they're going, you know, Flinders Ranges, Murray Mallee, wherever you might be going. You'll, you'll do your own little bit of research of where you want to go. But to me, I, my advice is don't ask for a day-to-day itinerary of where you're going. Just make sure you know where you've got to be at what time to start the trip and when you get back and where you'll be dropped off at the end of the trip. Because as soon as you ask for an itinerary, it puts an expectation on everything to be that we're going to be here, we're going to be there and all that kind of stuff. And, and nine times out of 10, you're never anywhere near where the itinerary says, because like you said, the weather changes, the light changes, you know, the group dynamics might be different where you can't go to a certain spot that you thought you could go for whatever reason. So don't, yeah, don't be too uh, hell bent on getting an itinerary for every day that you're going to be away. You know where you're going. Just uh, just trust in the person that you're paying to take you there is my advice. Absolutely. Love it. Good advice. Yeah. Sound advice on the Down South Photo Show. Um, last piece of housekeeping, dsps.com.au, your one-stop shop for everything Down South Photo Show. Pop on over to dsps.com.au. 
I think I'm going to sneeze. That's amazing. Go on, do it. No, do I can't. It. No, I've had. I reckon I've had grass up my nose since I've been. You know, I probably shouldn't be rolling in the grass, but oh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing a sneeze on our show. You're not supposed to shove it up your nose. You're supposed to smoke it. No, I don't. Not, Brendan, Brendan, we wouldn't. We wouldn't authorize that kind of behaviour. Not on. Not on this channel. No, not on this channel. Anyway, um, what are we? What are we talking about tonight? Well, Anything? we've got sort of three topics to go through. So, a um, couple of weeks ago, uh, your very good self put it out on our Facebook page. We were interested to see if there was topics out there that we hadn't covered before on the Down South Photo Show that people might have wanted us to talk about. And lo and behold, did they come thick and fast? So, AKA, we'd run out of topics. We needed to find a way. We, we've got, <laughs> we've got basically. Uh, <laughs> Well, there was, there was a plethora of of, of, of different topics. Yeah. So what we're going to do, we're going to spend about 10 minutes on each on three different topics tonight. So, wow. uh, well, 10 minutes loose. It's like the, like the workshop itinerary, like, you know, it'll, it'll fit together it'll how it fit. fits together. One, 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 one question we won't be talking about on the show mm-hmm. is, is when is Ash Hughes hosting again? Yeah, uh, we all miss him. Uh, that was posted by Ash Hughes. Yeah, um, and no one know. I said no one knows where he is. So, yeah, bad luck, Ash. Uh, Ash, if you're listening, do you ever is your nickname ever been like the sneeze or Gesundheit or something? Does he sneeze on his videos a lot? Does he? No, his name sounds like a sneeze. Ash, Ch- oh, that's terrible. Come on, what's well, the first topic? Though. Ash Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry. I still don't think we're going to get to 100 episodes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're so close. No, we will. We will. Um, oh, yeah. So topic number one, and this was asked by someone. Sorry, I didn't write names down, but this was definitely asked by someone on the on the on the chat on the on the Facebook page. Uh, kit lenses versus pro lenses, pro in inverted commas, are mm. uh, worth it? Question mark. Um, so basically, what this question is asking is. When you buy a uh, SLR or a mirrorless camera these days, and it's might be your first crack at it, generally speaking, you will get a lens with it because, well, let's face it, you can't use a camera without a lens. So um, when we talk about kit lenses, these are literally the lenses that are in the box that come with the camera. Yeah. Now, nine times out of 10, when you buy uh, a a, a camera with a lens attached to it. It's a kit lens and the kit lens is maybe made from plastic. Uh, the build quality might be a little lower. It's made to a price point. It's obviously made, um, you know, just, just to get you up and running. Yeah. Um, so the, the question from Andrew Connor, thanks for adding that in Cameron, um, yeah. is are these kit lenses um, worth hanging on to, or do we need to upgrade to pro lenses? Cam, what's your hot take on this topic? Um, look, I don't know. Like we, we always said when we worked at camera shops that you invest in the glass. So you buy your camera body and then you put money into your lenses. And, and that's what a lot of people do. Cause you'll ask people about changing brands. Like, Oh no, I've spent too, way too much money on lenses. I can't. <laughs> um, but then having said that though, kit lenses, again, I think this is one of these ones where people fall on the trap of trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, Pro lenses, yes, they're generally a better build quality. They've generally got better coatings on the glass, probably better optics to start with. Uh, they're generally like a metal body uh, barrel. They're probably a bit more weatherproof. There's there's a lot of advantages to the pro lenses, but boy, you, you pay for it as well. You'll pay through the nose for the pro lenses. Um, whereas the kit lenses, I, I think depending on what sort of photography you're doing and what kind of level you're at at photography, I don't think they're bad. I think they're quite reasonable and acceptable for what most people are going to do. Um, majority of people don't print big. 
uh, the majority of people just chuck things online. So, you know, it's not really a sharpness question for me. Um, probably the one thing I would say, the difference between pro lenses and the kit lenses is most of the pro lenses have a constant aperture, like a generally a wider or faster aperture. I reckon that's an advantage, definitely. And I think also the weatherproofing. Most kit lenses don't have any weatherproofing and they have slow apertures. Um, so I think if I was looking at a pro versus kit lens, those are probably the only two things I'd look at is the speed of the lens and the weatherproofing of the lens because sharpness is great and all that kind of jazz, but really we don't really do enough printing or anything worthy of sort of spotting out the sharpness issues, in my opinion. Yep. Um, yeah, not much more to add from my end there. I think I think emphasize the points that you make. I'd like to emphasize the points that you make in terms of uh, image sharpness and overall image quality. And you're mm. completely right. These these camera manufacturers don't want to sell you a kit lens that makes their camera look terrible. That they, yeah. they they you know they they want to sell you a lens that is going to you know, at least when you go out to take photos, even as a as a, as a pure beginner and on automatic mode. Yeah. Um, you know, you still want to get nice photos. Well, so they do right. yeah. definitely yeah. serve a purpose. Um, you know, uh, back when SLR started to really take off, so early 2000s, when digital SLR started to really take off, companies like Canon and Nikon were actually boxing up some pretty nice glass with those with mm. those cameras. Yeah. Um, but that was mainly because back then, you know, four megapixel SLRs, they were, um, you know, they actually weren't much chop in terms of resolution. So they had to have really good quality glass yeah. to sort of compensate for that. And then once the technology took off and the um, the megapixel race got, you know, the, there was more and more megapixels, so the image quality overall got better and better. They quickly worked out that they don't necessarily need that high quality glass. No. And to stay price competitive, they made cheaper lenses, mm. um, which is exactly what what particularly uh, Canon and Nikon did back in the day. So, yeah, no, I, I think the, the lenses that you buy with a camera are completely fine to get you up and running. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time, particularly landscape, we are a landscape show after all, um, you know, you're not really going to uh, need to shoot at low apertures that much. No. Um, there are obviously specific times when you're going to want to, like working in really low light, shooting auroras, for example, and astro and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I get mm -hmm. that. Yep. But the old adage of F8 and show up really sort of <laughs> rings true with a lot of landscape stuff. And, you know, quite yeah. often you're shooting at F11 and higher. Yeah. So, you know, mm. so that's why you don't necessarily need those low aperture values in the pro lenses. No, I agree. Um, there was a, a second part to Andrew Connor's uh, question there as well. Uh, it was along the theme of my new lens that I bought that 150 to 400. And he says, is, is it worth 10 times more than a standard lens? Very good uh, question. It's a great question. Um, I'm going to say absolutely not. I, I don't think any lens is worth the amount of money that we pay for them. Um, does it um, improve my photography? <laughs> um, I, I think that lens is has impressed me. Um, the autofocus uh, is very quick. Um, the quality is really quick as well, um, but it's not worth the money you spend for it. So I would say no, the, some of the pro lenses aren't worth the money they ask for them, but they are generally better, sharper, sharper lenses, which is great. But as we've just touched on, I don't think that's a huge issue unless you're doing big printing or anything special with your images. If you're just going to put them on a hard drive and whack them online, then the kit lenses are fine. You can save yourself a bit more money. 
And then, like I said, if you do go down the avenue of wanting a constant aperture, you know, you might do landscapes, but then want to take up weddings. So you want that nice sort of 2.8 lens or you might do Astro and all that kind of stuff. Then, yeah, you might sort of venture out to get the pro lens. But I would say 80% of people getting into photography, a kit lens would be more than enough. Definitely. Um, one thing, and I haven't, I'm yet to use that awesome 150 to 400. I'm dare say I'll get a crack at it at some point. Mm. Um speed of autofocus yes uh, particularly the bird stuff that you showed me from the mm. finners ranges i think that's where definitely where is it worth 10 times no of course it's not but it might be worth two times but not the not the ridiculous price tags that they end up on this. no no like i can put up a photo here if you like yes please. um which was pretty impressive for this lens all right um this lens i had the af tracking on uh and i had the lens all set up in the stabilizer the whole lot. And we had this eagle fighting with a crow that was flying towards me at whatever speed an eagle flies. It's got a rabbit in its claws. Um, and that camera was amazingly quick. So that lens was amazingly quick at tracking that and capturing that shot as it went through. So, you know, if I had the, let's say the, the 100, the 400 lens that you had in the, mm -hmm. in the OM system, could it, could it have done that? I think it could have, but I don't think it could have been as quick and accurate as what that lens did the other day. So that was the, that was the point when I had that lens in my hand. I went, right, I think I can see, I don't think I can justify, but I think I can see why that lens is worth a lot more than everything else because it is uh, razor sharp and, and razor fast um, or laser fast, I should say. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was one of those moments I went, all oh, right. Uh, it's still not worth the money I paid for it, I don't think, but it's just done something that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So I'll give it some sort of benefit of the doubt, not, so to not speak. Not to mention the uh, awesome bokeh that you had in that background photo as well. Um, yeah. 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 So so, so yeah. to answer that question uh, in a nutshell, are pro lenses worth it? Um, I don't – well, compared to kit lenses, not really. I would, I would say in minimal um, scenarios they are. But I don't think those scenarios would outweigh the money that you pay for them. Now, if you're if you're a professional photographer, well, things mm. change a bit because you need reliable gear as a professional photographer, and that's where, as Cam mentioned, that's where the weather sealing and the build quality and all that mm. sort of stuff comes into it for sure, and the low aperture values. Um, but as a even a serious uh, enthusiast, um, you can you can easily get away with kit lenses. Case in point, uh, did the complete overland track with a yeah. What was that thing? The 40 to 150 plastic fantastic that's worth yep. 300 bucks. Does the so, job. And it and it did the job. It more than did the job. Mm. I was I was quite quite happy with the images I got out of that. Yeah. Um so the next question that we received was from Susan uh Northover. Hello, Susan. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we want to talk about teleconverters. Uh what Ooh. are they? No. Oh, Cameron clearly has a hot take on teleconverters. Teleconverters, what are they and should I use one, Cameron? Oh, you, I thought you might have answered this one. That's Maybe, a go. Well, I can if you want. You, no, you no. boot it. so you. you okay. Uh, what is a teleconverter? It's I'll a the next one. Okay, you get the last one. Um, what is a teleconverter? It's a, a little bit of a equipment that goes in between your camera body and your camera lens. Uh, it works like a magnifier pretty much. So you can get them in like 1.4 times magnification or two times magnification. So all it does is just apply that factor to your focal length with magnification. It's got glass in it. It's like a little magnifying glass that sits on the back that emphasizes that focal length for you. But 
Um, what that does do, it puts more glass in front of your sensor. So it'll reduce the quality of light coming through because it's got to pass through more elements of glass. So I think, uh, uh, what, what are they? That's what they are. Should you have one? Uh, we had this discussion on the trip. Um, Tanina, who's a customer of mine, she has the Olympus 40 to 150 2.8, and she was running a two times teleconverter on that. And she wasn't happy with the sharpness. So she, she zoomed in and had a look and it's like, oh, it just looks soft. And I said, that two times converter has never had a great reputation. That's actually not great for, for the increasing the sharpness or anything. You'll get closer, but it's not great. Um, and the 1.4 is good, but you know, the 1.4, uh, along with the magnification, you also lose a stop of light or two stops of light, depending which one you're using. So it slows the amount of light that can come through. So I don't think, like they're not expensive, let's be honest. So you can probably get one in your kit. Um, but if you're doing, and this is the same conversation I have with this guest, is that if she needs she needs to make a decision on whether or not she's doing bird and wildlife photography like a lot or whether or not she's just going, oh, there's a bird, I'd like to get closer, snap. If she's going to be a bird that's closer, let's have a snap, then, then the converters are fine. They're a good option. But if she's going to really go down the path of being a wildlife or bird photographer, then I would say don't buy the converter. Go and spend your money or save your money and buy a more decent focal length uh, for what you're going to do. Absolutely. Um, case in point, so years ago, back when <laughs> I wish I knew then what I know now, I think it was like early 2000s, um, I did a trip to Africa, uh, my first time over there. And, you know, being a very keen photographer, shooting mostly film back then, um, what was it, 2003, I was, I was still shooting a fair amount of film, um, you know, got all excited about a teleconverter. I had a 300 mil lens and then took a two times teleconverter for it. And then just realized that it just robbed me of so much light. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think, I think that's the big thing that, that yeah. people may either maybe don't realize or don't yeah. get told or whatever is that they buy yeah. these converters. They go, Oh, cool. 300 mil. I've now got 600 mil. Excellent. Yes. But they lose those stops of light, which is crucial yeah. as you know, Yeah, especially in those afternoon, early morning photo shoots. Well, that's exactly in Africa when you go out and you shoot the wildlife is first and last light. So I was tearing my hair out, Mm. Um, didn't have enough zoom and then uh, put the teleconverter on and then didn't have any light. So, you know, I did manage to get some okay shots, but they were the ones in the middle of the day Yeah, um, when... You know, particularly the big game shots where they're all asleep. So, <laughs> and they were fine. Like I got a couple of okay shots, but yeah, I'd never, never go down the path of a teleconverter. Um, I would actually, and this is going to sound a bit counterintuitive, but I would actually, and have done recently, used um, just a built-in the digital teleconverter that uh, most yeah. cameras have now. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, it crops the sensor. We all know that it halves the megapixels and all that sort of stuff, but. I've I've managed to use that at a at a pinch, uh, but still maintain all the light that I want. So yeah, um, yeah, they're they're a much better way to go, I think these days than the actual glass that you put between the lens. Now, mm. you know, having said that, maybe a one point four times teleconverter would be okay, um, particularly if you're shooting in handy, like sort of decent light. Yeah, that would that would be okay, but I'd probably limit it to that. Yeah, I think the two times teleconverters to me just cause too much loss of light and, and sharpness. So, um, and I haven't come across the two times teleconverter in my travels that I'd recommend. And I've seen the cannons and I've seen them all and they all have a similar sort of feel to them. They just sort of, they, they're a bit softer and the light, obviously you can't do much about the light coming through, but yeah, 
Yeah, look, they're good to have in your kit. Again, it's one of those things. It's like the 10-stop filter. Everyone says, oh, you should have a 10-stop filter. Yeah, maybe, but let's use it sparingly. It's the same mm-hmm. with the teleconverter. It's great to have one in your kit, but you don't have to use it all the time. Use it sparingly. Yeah. When you, you come across a scene where you're like, oh, that'd be cool just to get a little bit closer in on that animal or whatever it might be. So, That is a fantastic point that you've just made there. Um, you can have all the gear in the world, but it doesn't mean you have to use it all the time. No, that's right. You know, there's There's a lot to be said for very simple setups um mm. at the moment on my om5 i've got my i've had this lens for 10 years it's the panasonic 20 mil f1.7 yeah um i really enjoy just plugging that onto the front of the camera it just strips it all back to bare bones there's no zoom mm-hmm. there's it's a low aperture lens it's lightweight it's a street shooter it's really cool but it it sort of harkens me back to the basics of better photography and using yeah my skill over the equipment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And we, we talk about that all the time. I, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with, with Nissi filters NISI filters um, because they, they went through a stage where they just came out and gave every influencer a 10 stop filter and said, just use it until the, till the cows come home. And every photo was just that long, long, long exposure. Everything was nice and sweepy and, and blurry. I'm like, that's great. It looks good, but let's not just use it all the time. And it's the same with the teleconverter. Like, that's right. Some people keep their teleconverter on all the time when they don't really need it, but they think, oh, I'll get closer, I'll get a better shot, when really they could probably take 10 steps closer to a subject and get the same sort of thing. So, yeah, use them sparingly along with all the other things that happen. That's Absolutely. my advice. Yeah. Um, the last uh, topic that we're going to do a bit of rapid fire on, um, we got to ask this one. I, I like this one. Uh, why do photographers put silly signatures on their photos? <laughs> Uh, is that Jay Dar? Is that right? Did I get that Jay, right. Jay Dar, yes. Jay Dar. Jay Dar. Okay. Not a, not a um, radar. Jay Dar. No. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let I, me feel this I, one. I, I'm interested. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this one. You, you go with <laughs> it. Uh, look, uh, the amount of times I've I've seen people put signatures on their photos that are just way too big, um, <laughs> and and really don't look great or a massive copyright logo with this really poorly chosen font. Uh, <laughs> yeah. font. Uh, yeah. Look, if you want to put a signature on a photo, knock yourself out, but let, let's keep it subtle folks. The, the problem is it detracts from the photo itself. Um, you know, I've seen some of them are just awful cam, uh, not to piss in your pocket, but you've got a nice subtle signature that you put on your photos. Yep. Uh, it, it doesn't detract. You put it there so you know that it's yours if it gets shared around, that sort of stuff. Yeah. The thing is, though, I mean, if I wanted to remove that, I'm going to remove it. Two I seconds, mean, that's right. Yeah. There's this incredible thing called remove in Photoshop. <laughs> it just <laughs> makes it go away. Exactly right. Um, yeah. I used to know a guy that could do that for me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you get this fantastic photo and then you just go, all I'm looking at is that big scribble that you yeah. put across it. You know, this one's a funny one. And it, uh, yeah, it's it, there's a there's a type of person that does this, <laughs> I find. Um, I'll be very careful how I phrase this, but like I, I see them all the time. It's just like, for the love of Christ, take that stupid watermark yes. off your image. And I'm going to sound like a real prick here and that's fine. Um, I don't mean to be, but I will sound like one. But if you're putting, generally, this is my experience, if you're putting a giant watermark on your photo, it's generally the photos that aren't that good that you see online that have the giant watermark on the top of them. So I don't know if they work in hand in hand, but there seems to be a collection of photographers out there that think that 
their images are going to be stolen and put on TV and billboards and websites and all that kind of stuff when really the image itself isn't that great as an image. Um, so it only, like you said, it only makes that image look worse than what it is. What I find is that the subtle signatures that people put on there, and you're exactly right, they don't take away from the photo um, and uh, you know, it doesn't sort of overpower the photo when the first thing you see is this giant watermark. So I, I think people put them on there. They think that's going to be a way for people to stop uh, stealing their images or ripping their images off. Like you said, it's pretty easy to remove some of the smaller ones. Yes, a bigger copyright thing on your on your picture is going to be harder to take off, but it's also ruining the photo that people are trying to enjoy. So Completely. it's really weird. So I, I think that people... And I've had this, it happens a bit down here in Tassie. You see a few people put these giant watermarks on there. And, you know, the other thing they love putting up there is, is not for media use without permission. And I look at the photo sometimes, I'm like, that's that's not even going to make the middle of the paper. That's not going on a TV or it's not going anywhere else. You know, like it's a, it's not a great looking composition. It's poorly yeah. edited. Yeah. Um, if you I think, think people- there's a, a bit of a myth out there that um, people think they have to put the copyright symbol on their photo. No, you don't. No, no, you don't at all. It's already um, in, it's embedded in the metadata in the EXIF data. So right, you know, yeah. um, if you set your camera up properly when you buy it, you, it'll, your copyright Brendan Wade's photography will be yeah. in your in your metadata. So yeah. don't don't stress people. If if someone rips off one of your photos, you still have a leg to stand on, even though you haven't put copyright yeah. blah 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 on the on on a big big ass watermark that's ruining the photo in the first place. And you know what else you do if you do big ass watermarks on your thing? Mm. It might be a great photo, but I can guarantee you that whoever's looking at it, like a magazine or a media outlet or whatever, they look at that and go, great photo. Nah, not using that. It's got a stupid big watermark on it. It's almost, to me, that's almost alarm bells that this photographer is going to be hard work. Difficult to deal with. Difficult to deal with. So, you know, keep that in mind. If you're looking to sell your work and you're looking to be recognized for your landscape photography work, maybe look at other options apart from stamping a big giant signature on your, on your, or a watermark or whatever it is on your photo. Maybe look at another option to copyright images. Like Brendan said, it's in the exit data. You know, you can easily, you know, it's quite easy to find an image these days that people have been using. But if you stamp a big watermark on your photo, to me as a professional, it takes away from the photo that I'm meant to be looking at and it rings alarm bells that this person is over-hyped up sensitive about their images being stolen. Yeah. Um, and that's just a bit of a red, fl- red flag for me. Um, so, yeah, feel free to put all your hate comments in below. <laughs> me paying out of people but yeah i don't know i think um it does it detracts yeah it definitely does yeah so right. very good well that those three quick fire topics that we just yeah it's pretty good knocked out of the park mm. uh if you would like to comment on anything we've spoken about tonight or if you would like to suggest for us something we you would like for us to talk about uh leave that in the comment below um, and, ju- and, and just to clarify we're not running out of topics no, we we can we can talk to the cows come home, but we thought we we'd can. mix it up. No, we're actually we're actually wanting to hone our topics into mm. um, things that people actually want to hear us talk about. So that's right. Yeah. That's why we put it out there if, um, for any questions that people might have or topics that people want us to talk about. Mm. Um, we're going to very very briefly talk do a quick bit of gear talk. Um, the uh, Nikon ZF uh, looks pretty cool, Cam. Well, you know, last week we, <laughs> I haven't, uh, for some, you know, when you say something one week and then the next couple of weeks, you can't stop seeing it. Yes. The, the camera conspiracies guy. 
<laughs> every, every time I, I open up my YouTube now, he's on there doing a review. And, yeah. and I saw this Nikon ZF come out the other day and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like I'm, I'm actually considering maybe even buying one. I reckon they look really cool. I used yep. to love the FM. I had an FM2 and FE2s and FM3s and stuff. It looks like old school. I'd probably just buy like it's 50 mil, put it on the front. So it does look really cool. So they're bringing out these retro cameras that look like they're old school, um, you know, FM cameras back in the day. You've got the old school dials on top and all that kind of stuff. So I actually like them, but I didn't do any research on what cinema or whatever. But if you want to have a bit of a laugh, go look at that camera conspiracy guy and his review on the Nikon ZF. Um, apparently it's got exactly the same insides as a camera that's from 2018. So it's very, <laughs> it's very old and it's got a flip yeah. out, flip out screen and stuff like that. But I like it. I reckon Nikon have done a good job with it. I reckon it's really cool. Um, um, it does. It does look cool. I've just brought an image up on the screen. Hmm. Dude, it, gee, it looks a lot like my OM5. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. It exactly. It really right. does. Yeah. Like, um, that's uh, quite actually alarming how much it looks like my OM5. So yeah. uh, that, that that's interesting. But um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, but just a bit more on that as well. I, I really do hope that these camera brands follow suit. Like Fuji bring out their cameras that look retro. Nikon have brought out this one looks retro. Olympus cameras look somewhat retro. I would love to see the classics come out, like the you know, the Canon AE one. Let's make it let's make a digital version of that. The OM1 Olympus, let's make it like a proper looking one like that. Yeah, I think I think it's cool as. Yeah, um, Olympus uh, put out the Pen F. Yeah, the Pen uh, about five or six years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, wonderful. I kind of regret not getting that camera. Actually. I had one and sold it, and I regretted it. Yeah, that they're, they're they're a cool looking camera. They're built mm. like a tank. A lot of stainless steel in them. That Here sort of stuff. Here's a question without notice: silver or black? Oh, silver. Oh, I, went, I went black. No, 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 silver all day. That that camera looked awesome in the silver. Yeah. Um, just quickly, Nikon ZF, a couple of key specs for you. 24 megapixel full frame. So it's good to mm -hmm. see that uh, Nikon are doing this kind of camera, retro looking camera with full frame. Yeah. It's sort of like finally 20 years later, we've got to what they promised. And that is take the film out, replace it with a digital sensor, job done. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like I, I'm... I'm mind blown that it has taken this long for the camera companies not to figure that out. And you know why they're doing this, Brendan? Because the megapixel race is over. Correct. Because they, they, they need, can't they need another point of difference now. They need another point of difference and that's going retro. Yep. And I'm happy with it. Uh in body image stabilization rated up to eight exposure values, dedicated monochrome mode. Hello, Leica. Um up to 14 frames per second continuous shooting. Fine. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, 4K 60, 60 frames per second video, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. Uh, yeah, no, cool little cool little beast. SD and micro SD card slots. Yes. That's a kind that's, of that's interesting. That, that's, that's something that Nikon need to get off the crack pipe not, on. Is, not is, CF Express? They, they, this, <laughs> whatever they're smoking at Nikon about memory cards, like they seem to put something whack in every single different one they do. Um, now, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the, 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 the Kicker, if you like. Right. Yeah. I got a price here of two thousand US. I've got oh, a price. I've, I've got a price in front of me at three thousand four hundred eighty nine Australian. That's um too much. I'll say that's, it. That is too yeah. much for that With camera. That, that is way. That's that's twice what it should be. Yeah, but that's like it's a twenty four megapixel camera. It's not blowing doors off yeah. with megapixels. No, uh, but they're they again. This is the point of difference because they're going into bring these cameras out that have the retro feel to them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be, but mind you, you can buy a Nikon Nikkor Z 40 mil F2 lens for $550. That's pretty cheap. Yeah, that's not bad. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like it. Um, I like I said, I hang a fair bit of shit on Nikon, but I like this one. Oh, we um, we tongue we in cheek. We do. No, not at all. I don't like them. <laughs> you don't like her. Um, no, I don't uh, like her. Wait till I get no. to beef up and see Julie from Nikon. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give her a spray. I give I give oh. her a spray every year about Nikon. <laughs> <laughs> um, we won't talk about the other gear stuff. We can hang that over to well, next that, week. Well, that's um, easy. I, iPhone 15, yawn. And a Panasonic G9 Mark II apparently is also shit. Right. I think we mentioned the iPhone 15 two weeks ago. Do we? Um, Are we, yeah. Have we not updated our notes? <laughs> no, that's fine. I had a I had a bit of a deep dive into the camera on it. Um, yeah. It's not a huge leap forward, and they don't seem to be now. It's almost like they're running out of ideas. <laughs> well, th- this is the thing, though. I think yeah. I think we are getting to the end of the tether. Like with anything digital camera ish. Like and F- Fuji just brought out a Nikon GFX 102, which makes no sense because they've already got a GFX 100s. Oh, it's right, got yes. like it's like it makes no sense what they're bringing out. So yeah, I think yeah, I think we're sort of getting to the end unless unless technology gets better and they can squeeze more megapixels I, in. I, I don't know. We're either getting to the end of what we've got now, or there's about to be something that's going to come along. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not sure. It's you know, if you look at it like image stabilizer, brilliant on yep. just about all camera brands now have a fantastic image stabilization system. Yeah, the megapixel race, like we mentioned, already over. Um, maybe some advancements in glass. And can I ask a question? Without notice, of course. Apple, why do you still have the freaking halo effect on your cameras? You point your camera towards a bright light source and you get lens flare. Why? Hmm. Why? It's 2023 already. Because they're not a real camera? I just don't. That It should be that easy to remove in <laughs> with software. I think we've, I think we've come, I think we've figured this out, Brendan, that the people working at some camera places, maybe not as knowledgeable the, as us. We should, we should start our own brand. The technology in this thing could put you on Mars and yet they can't get rid of, lens flare yeah. i just it, the mind boggles it does anyway yeah. that's a side beer donations that's a fun topic to segue into we like our beer donators cam's enjoying a bogues as we speak i, I haven't seen you drink one online forever I don't pretty much it. pretty much these people are turning me into an alcoholic because i've got to keep <laughs> drinking a beer they're buying us and you're not touching any of it that's right no i'll i'll, I'll, I'll get into my share at bfop <laughs> uh beer donations um, yes we have uh sharon t uh, Jenny C and some other guy Mel H. I think oh, he's Mel. Yeah, well, welcome to the channel, Mel. Nice. Yeah, thanks, Mel. That's lovely of you to donate a beer. Um, good, he's good doing well. On board. I have a feeling we might be donated some more beer next week. Yes. In person, okay. maybe. Oh, yes, I like the sound of that. Hey, um, uh, quick one for you on the yes. B on the uh, BFOP groupies page. Someone put up there today. Has anyone like golf playing golf Friday morning Ooh. before it starts? I'm like. Oh, I know someone who might. Seems <laughs> <laughs> seems I got rejected the other day. Anyway, moving yes. on. Will that be at the Bright Country Club? It would be at the Bright. I used to be a member there once. Did you? Yeah. Anyway. Right, well, okay. Well, yes, we will talk. Mm. Uh, how many spots are available? Don't know. They're, they're just put open. 
Oh, we can I'm pl- taking taking the van so the clubs always find their way in there. Why are we having a private conversation? We saw on air. Are we? Do you want to play golf Friday? Beef up before beef up? Why not? All right, let's do it. All right, yeah. Anyone um, wants to uh, come and play golf at the Bright uh, Golf Club, we'll be teeing off at stupid o'clock probably. Uh, anyway, this is not a golf show, politics or AFL. But anyway. No, no, that's right. Uh, so, Cam, you're having just a short bit of downtime before you get back on the boat. My daughter, even my daughter today at dinner, she goes, Dad, why'd you even bother coming back? <laughs> and I, kid's I, after, got a point. <laughs> kid's got a point. She goes, because we're all going up next week anyway on the boat. You may as well stay at Nanny and Pars. I'm like, I wanted to see you guys and hang out with the wife and kids. Right answer. Apparently, apparently that wasn't uh, a thought in her process, but right. Anyway, fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm here for I'm here I'm here for a week, and then we go back up to Melbourne on the boat. Yes, um, October is a big month for yourself and myself. We've got a lot mm. going on in October, which is great. Mm. Looking forward to it all. Um, real quick plug for the Great Ocean Road workshop that we have running in May 2024. Places are selling now. Jump on dsps.com.au to check it out and book your spot. This is going to be a cracker. We've got to get through the Murray Mallee first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but no, <laughs> yeah, the great people ocean... are waiting to see if we survive that, and then go they're, from wait, there. they're waiting. They're waiting for the wheels to fall off that workshop before they book this yeah, one. But they're waiting. They're waiting for the reviews. Yeah, no, no, that'd be. I can't wait. The Great Ocean Road's gonna be good. Murray Mallee, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we had, we had a chat yesterday about that in person when I came into your shop. Hey, question question without notice. Like it. Who ate all the peanut M and M's? You or Abby? Um. Let's say there was. Let's say there's a hundred in a bag. Mm-hmm. I reckon I got about fifteen of them. Oh, all right, okay. So the apple yeah. doesn't fall far. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The right. only thing is the apple doesn't have to watch its waistline. Uh, not yet. <laughs> give, give it. Give it another fifty years. She'll have to. Yeah, so that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. So that's um that's been episode ninety five. Cam, are you all done? Ninety five, man. Look at that. I know we are getting up. Ninety six. Ninety seven. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make it. I think. Yeah, well, we might. We might just fall over the line. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yes, that's been episode ninety-five of the Down South Photo Show. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you for episode ninety-six next week. Bye for now. I'm going to say the pies by four goals. Oh, okay. You heard Ciao. it here first. Bye. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>